Hey, Pollyanna. What did you call me? I said, you look like Pollyanna. Okay, ladies, I'm Tony Moss. I produce this show. Some of you probably heard that I'm a prick. I am a prick. I got one interest here, and that's the show. I don't care whether you live or die. I want to see you dance, and I want to see you smile. I can't use you if you can't smile. I can't use you if you can't show. I can't use you if you can't sell. Let me take a look at you. Spread out. You got me the audition, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Why? Maybe I like the way you dance. Maybe I like you. What difference does it make? Did you enjoy that in there? <laughs> yeah, darling. I think I did. I hate you! I know. Here. Wipe your nose. <laughs> One day she looks like Pollyanna. The next she looks like, I don't know, Lolita maybe? Nice dress. Thanks. I bought it at Versace. At the forum. Oh yeah, Versace. I love Versace. Julie, you fucking slut. You take my makeup again, I'll kill you. Oh, I'm a slut? You fucked that kid from the pizza place. Well, you fucked a meter reader. Bitch. Hello? Anybody here? Back here. What are you doing here? What am I doing here? Doing some of the finest cocaine in the world, darling. You want some? No. It's great for the muscles. I told Marty I'd work on your turns with you, darling, but I'm feeling a little turned inside out today. Cut the shit. Okay. We got off on the wrong foot. You want to start dancing all over again? Why? Why not? <laughs> you want to walk down to Spago, get something to eat? Where is it? Just down from Versace. Versace. Ah, right. Versace. One and two and three and four. There's murder and intrigue. But the kids of Riverdale are gonna be just fine. Just fine, just, just fine. There's Jughead and Betty. Serial killer serving some jail time. Jail time, jail, jail time. We got milkshakes at Pops and mimosas at Veronica's. Yeah, the kids of Riverdale are gonna solve some crime. Some crime, some, some crime. Cause the kids of Riverdale are gonna still be fine. Maybe damage, damn, damn, damn. Sit right down, you're gonna have a real good time with Team Cheryl. Hello and welcome to another episode of Milkshakes and Mimosas, where it's always showtime. That's right, folks. We're talking about Showgirls. Why are we talking about Showgirls? Because Gina Gershon is in Showgirls, and she's also in Riverdale. And um, because I like to torture Jason. Hello, Jason. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. Wait, that's Flashdance, right? I feel like you're getting your uh, showgirl movies oh, mixed no, up. Oh, no, no. Uh, that is uh, Saved by the Bell classic. Oh, shit. That's Saved by the Bell. I like that. Flashdance. I'm Anya. She's a maniac, maniac. Listen, yes. we're all. Very different thing. We're all doing very our best. Thing. Is and it, that was, though? 
Is it? Sophie just watched Showgirls, so if you or your brain is scrambled, perfectly understandable. Yes, yeah, Sophie's here as well. Hello, Sophie. Hello. Not only did I just see Showgirls for the first time, but I watched Showgirls right after watching Bliss. And I was like, oh, I feel like the lead actress from Bliss sure. saw Showgirls and was like, oh, I want to be Elizabeth Berkeley's character, but metal. And I was like, oh, yeah, I get what you're doing. It's still bad. Anyway. It's been a day. It's been a day. I like that movie, but okay. Uh, that's fair. Um, and uh, fun fact, the song Maniac uh, that is in Flashdance was originally written for the movie Maniac, but it didn't get on the soundtrack because the people who made the movie Maniac had no idea. Like, I like the what? band, like, they really the band... made that song for Maniac? Yeah. Oh, chopping like, women up? Yeah, yeah. Out they of made that song. They they actually like because there was like an interview with like uh with the director of Maniac and he's like yeah they brought me into their studio and they 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 let me listen to the original the original track and it it really had plot specific points in it too wow it's crazy um we have one more person to join us the true maniac of the group Alex <laughs> hello Alex I did take dance for a long time so I was a maniac on the floor. So that is accurate. Nice, nice. And 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 Alex, you are uh, when you popped in this Blu-ray, it popped to the last time that you had watched this Blu-ray with somebody, which was me eight years ago. Yep, that is correct. <laughs> I uh, I had I oh man the the number of stories I have about this movie it is amazing and hilarious and I'm so excited to share them with all of you tonight. I am too. I'm. I am very excited. I am very excited. Um, so let's let's go around the horn. Um, had everyone seen Showgirls except for Sophie? Um, Jason, had you seen Showgirls before? Yeah, um, I had seen it like um, probably pretty close to like because I'm very old. Um, I saw it very very old. I saw it probably when it was like first came out and. VHS because I was like a horny teenager and I was like I'm gonna watch Showgirls it's gonna be hot and spoiler alert it's the least sexiest movie ever fucking made oh <laughs> well that, movie. that explains a lot about your life I was life. a horny teenager um, and I was like I probably won't masturbate for a month and a half after this <laughs> you were like I didn't know I had standards until I watched this, this. right Right. Yeah. Wow. This movie so... chemically castrated me, is what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Okay. So, uh, Sophie, uh, I know you had not seen this movie before, but have you seen a lot of the other Paul Verhoeven classics, such as Total Recall, RoboCop, Starship's Troopers, Basic Instinct, that other movie he made recently? I think it's L. called L. Yeah. I, I own it on Blu-ray, but I've never seen it. Um, so I have seen Elle and I've seen Starship Troopers. I have not seen any other Paul Verhoeven movies. I know. You've not seen RoboCop? Oh, you've not seen RoboCop? I know. Oh, next Um, time we have a party, next time we have a party, RoboCop's going on because My dear friend Jose has been trying to, like, since we've all been in quarantine, he lives in LA, um, and... He, we watched a couple movies with him via Zoom, and he keeps like uh, lobbying for RoboCop, but Jeremy's never in the mood. And I've never seen it, so I'm like, yeah, sure, whenever you guys want to. So it'll happen someday. I, I am complete, and I know Alex has to talk about this, but I'm, I have to bring up, since we're bringing up Paul Verhoeven, I do not understand how someone 
can direct basic instinct, which clearly understands how sex works, and <laughs> showgirls, which clearly has no idea how sex works. Okay, now, before we get too far from the question of who's seen this movie before, I was so excited to join you guys on this episode because... I had two previous encounters with this movie, but had never seen it. The... Encounter, okay, encounters, encounters makes it sound like this is a cryptid, but okay, yes, the cryptid. <laughs> so, I mean, it kind of is. The so... Moth Show Girls, yes. I Have know. you seen how Elizabeth Berkeley fucks in this movie? That's a cryptid. Yeah. That's not a <laughs> so the, That's a mermaid. The most recent encounter, because I feel like I should save the earliest one first last, but the most recent encounter was um, I remember I love Twin Peaks and I was introduced to Twin Peaks relatively recently. Like I think I watched Twin Peaks for the first time six or seven years ago and I was in love with Dale Cooper who wasn't. And then on the internet, I was like, wait, Kyle McLaughlin was in Showgirls? Wait, he had a sex scene? I have to watch that. And I remember watching it just being like, this is horrifying. Why is any of this happening? And I was like, I had, the, I think, a similar reaction that Jason had where I was like, cool, Kyle McLaughlin's not hot anymore. Like, this has ruined everything <laughs> for me. Um, but... Fun, the, fun fact, that's how, that's how uh, Dougie was born. Was oh, isn't that sexy. cool? Um, <laughs> I, I, I hope we spend an extended period of time talking about the mechanics of trying to give a blowjob in a pool, but, like, right now, I can't. So, the, um, the first... The first uh, encounter I had with this movie, so my parents, this is going to sound, I feel like all of this is going to be so dark and great, and here it is, it's going to be on a podcast. So my parents got divorced when I was seven, and my mom went to live with my aunt while she was, like, getting herself situated. She had been a stay-at-home mom, so she had to get a job and blah, blah, blah. So she lived with my aunt for a couple of years. And my dad had primary custody, but we would spend like one or two nights a week and every other weekend with my mom at my aunt's house. And they converted the like finished basement of my aunt's house into the kids' room. And there was like a big futon down there and my brother and sister and I would all sleep down there and then we'd hang out with my mom during the day, whatever. At some point, I, I have very vague memories about this, so I don't remember, but I, I had to be between the ages of seven and nine. Um, we found like I don't think we were looking for it someone had left a VHS recording I think they had like recorded it from a rental DVD I assume of showgirls in the TV <laughs> the bootleg showgirls and like and we didn't yeah That's amazing and I remember we didn't watch very like we immediately like I don't even remember what at what point we started watching, but we were obviously like immediately, this is not something we should be watching. There's no part of that movie that's even a little bit okay for children. Um, so we probably only watched it for five minutes, but the scene we watched is when the one dancer um, throws the diamonds out on the stage to make the other dancer fall and like break her leg. Oh yeah. yeah and yeah, it's yeah, like all nudity and violence. And we were all just like, and I was the oldest, which means at the at best, I was nine, my brother was seven, and my sister was five. I love that you found the video like it's the fucking videotape in the ring. It was just, sat down and well, watched no, it. it just was I'm in sorry. the TV. Like, we just, like, hit, We I think we just, yes. like, turned the TV on, and it was in there, and we were like, what's this? And I'm like, everyone's <laughs> making, we probably shouldn't be watching this. And then we're like, 
hmm, nudity. And then we were just like, oh, we should, when they, when that chick fell, we were like, we should turn this off. This is scary. Okay. Well, we're not going to think into the, um, the mechanics of how VHSs work and that it was stopped at that point. Um, but anyways, uh, Alex, uh, what are your experiences with showgirls? So I think the first, I, I, I was a giant Saved by the Bell fan when I was like (laughs) 10 or 11, like, like when I was really young and it was still on TV, uh, I, I definitely remember watching it like Saturday morning sort of thing. Um, and then I remember when I had chicken pox in grade three or four, uh, I remember like obsessively watching Saved by the Bell when I was stuck at home, like quarantined in the basement um, and thinking Saved by the Bell was the coolest. And then I remember hearing about Showgirls because it was that thing you heard about on the playground. Um and I remember seeing the the poster, like, and seeing the the VHS box at 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 uh, the video store, but it was never a movie I got to see. Like, my parents were pretty cool with letting me watch whatever, but it was just something where like they had no interest in it, so they never rented it. And none of my friends had HBO or 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 any of those pay channels. No, so. no Skinamax. No, nothing like that. The we had we had TMN, the movie network, up here in. Uh, up here in Canada. And I know it was probably one of the movies that was on there, but the only time I ever got to see TMN was my friend's grandma would just pop in a tape and record like two movies back to back and then give it to him to watch. And it was always like weird fucking kids movies that I, I, I would never see again, but it was never anything as, as good as Showgirls. Um, and then uh, I don't know if you want me to get into my, my story of the first time I saw it, or if we're going to save that for later, but, uh, Oh, please yeah, get, was, get into I it. Want get into it. it, now, I want I think. it. Speaking, speaking okay. of creepy kids, so, if you were to tell me that Elizabeth Berkeley's character was played by a Muppet, I would fucking believe you. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is one of those movies I remember seeing, I would go to future shop like every week. I was a, when I, when I got a DVD player, like, and I had my first job, I was going and looking at movies, and MGM had put out that cheap copy of Showgirls, so I remember seeing it in the bin, but I was still not old enough to buy it, so I'm like, whatever, I'll see it eventually, and then they put out this fancy special edition box of Showgirls in, I think it was 2004, 2005, and my best friend in the world, Max, he was like, I'm, I've saved up like the 40 bucks or whatever. I'm going to buy this special edition of Showgirls and we're going to watch oh it. And this is the copy of Showgirls that came in. It, it's, it's like the same kind of box I have for like my Gone with the Wind box set. Like it's, it's this gorgeous big box for the DVD. And it had uh, this little poster where it was like pin the pasties on, on the stripper uh, <laughs> on the Showgirl. And it had shot glasses. And it had a drinking game, and it had like this pop up video sort of commentary thing on it. So I was, I think I was 17, and I had never drank before. And Max was like, We're going to drink and watch Showgirls, and we're going to play one of the drinking games. <laughs> so we, we shuffle the cards or whatever, we each deal them, and he gets a card where it's like, Drink every time you see someone topless. <laughs> And I'm like, huh, that sounds dangerous. Oh, and I no. get drink anytime you hear Gina Gershon call someone sugar 
or or hug, whatever it is, or whatever. She darlin, says. Darlin. darlin. That's right. Every, so every time Jeetigerson says Darlin, I was supposed to drink. Jesus Christ! How are you still here today? Well, that's where it gets even crazier because, like I said, first time I'm drinking, my dad was like a former bartender and was never anti-me sort of drinking, but my mom was sort of a, a stick in the mud a bit. So my mom had gone up to bed. Uh, we're hanging out in my basement. We come upstairs. We talk to my dad about it, and he's like, well, you can take the, the bottles of booze that, like, your mom and I are never going to touch. Like, they're left over from parties in the past or whatever. So we had, like, a teacher's whiskey and, uh, and uh, Jose Cuervo. <laughs> and... So we take the whiskey and the tequila and a couple beers down to the basement and we start watching Showgirls. And I'm nervous because I've never drank before. And Max was living in Grimsby and that's like all they did on the weekends was get drunk. So uh, he's he's trying to convince me to ke- uh, keep up with him. And he's like, I'll do two for every one you do. So we start watching the movie and like we are... Fuck? We get to the point where, yeah, we're like 20 minutes in and I've had like, yeah, two or three shots already. He's had like four or six and I'm like, we can't keep drinking and watching this movie. We're going to get too drunk and I want to remember this. So like, let's turn it off. So we turned it off and then I got drunk for the first time and Max got wasted. And uh, at one point he got overheated and took off his shirt, and then he wanted to go for a run, and then he thought he heard music, and he's like, let's go find the party! Now, quick question. When he took his shirt off, did you do a shot? Uh, No, because that was was when he had to drink, but I think I made him drink. Wait, so let me get this straight. Your introduction (laughs) to the world of drinking (laughs) is shots of Jose Cuervo while watching Showgirl. Are you okay? I'm great. Do I need to call someone? Are you okay? I'm fantastic. Wow. Look, I I wow. I am just glad to wow. hear a um a dr- an embarrassing drunk story from that basement that doesn't involve me. Um so that's the, that's good. There's no there's uh couldn't probably couldn't match the time we were watching uh, David Bowie laser discs and I almost puked on your dog. Um but <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, that's, we'll save that for when we do the Bowie episode, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, so, uh, somehow we'll work Labyrinth into this mix somehow. Yes, the cod piece <laughs> to end all cod pieces. Was Boggle ever in Riverdale? I don't mm. know. <laughs> so, Boggle's was, looking like a snack right now compared to Showgirls. <laughs> that was my introduction to Showgirls. Wait, also and, it's and, Hoggle, not Boggle, I'm so sorry. Okay, excuse me. Jason. Oh, Boggle is a word association game yeah sorry hoggle and your beautiful donk (laughs) (laughs) that puppet had a weird butt that's all i have to say (laughs) nobody talks about hoggle's ass that's for sure all right alex alex you can finish your story now okay uh so that was my introduction to showgirls and then i want to say it was either the next day or the next weekend we ended up watching the entire movie and quoting certain lines, like Max and I constantly talk about Versace um, and, oh, and Puppy God. Chow and um, the fact that within like the first five minutes of the movie, it's like she pulls a switchblade, um, 
then she uh, beats up somebody's car, and then when confronted, violently throws up, and then instantly eats, like, chili cheese fries and a giant drink. And I'm like, who wrote this movie? This is insane. No one talks about how she assaulted that ketchup bottle, and also... (laughs) She, like, punched the platter of french fries. Yeah. And, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on. I talk about the scene where she's sassily eating a giant cheeseburger in the car with lettuce hanging out of it for three hours, at least. And this... then she litters! God damn it. Yeah, oh, how di- Like, I, I just have a question. Is she... Uh, and I'm, I'm all for, like... Um, uh-oh, you know, uh-oh. Uh, Where's mental... this going? Where's this going? Is she, imbal- is she, like, supposed to have a mental imbalance? Yes. Yeah. Is she really? I think in interviews I... with Verhoeven, I'm not... he claims that on set, he told her the reason why she should lash out violently like she was is that Nomi is supposed to have had that like when it's revealed towards the end of the movie uh, that she's, you know, living an assumed identity that she had such mental hangups and uh, issues with drugs that it caused uh, further mental issues. And he told her that on set, but didn't really make it clear to everybody else. So Anyone else. <laughs> the character comes Don't across you have to, as like, set that up in the movie. Like you can't, I think his intention, like, wh- I I read, one of the things I saw in the IMDb trivia said a very similar thing, but it, it felt like, and maybe he was quoted out of context, maybe there's more that makes it feel less this way, but it felt like, well, once I referenced that she had some arrests for drug possession, it should have been clear that, like, of course she would act like a crazy what? person. And it's like, that's what? very upsetting. <laughs> yeah. That's, what? Is that what you I, thought was the reveal? But I mean, yeah. like, also her mom was murdered by her dad who then committed suicide, which is, like, a massive trauma for a person to undergo. But again, like, none of that stuff is given any weight to, to no. make us understand her character. It's just sort of like a way, like a bargaining chip that Kyle MacLachlan uses. But I would say this movie is supposed to be about like how dangerous and awful show business is sort of. Right. Kind of yeah. Middle, right. Why are you layering in this like mental health issue? Joe Esther House. That's yeah. all I need to say. Look at this man. Four, I think it was between three and four million dollars for writing this movie. The first draft of which he wrote on a weekend. Um, but then I was also reading in the INBB trivia that it, it was supposed to be almost like an old Hollywood style morality tale, almost like, but like with elements of All About Eve. And now when I rewatched it, keeping that in mind, I was like, oh, I, I never really got what this movie was. Now it makes sense. It's just not that movie. Does it? Right, it just isn't that. And also, can I just say that, like, so as I was watching this, I was skimming through the IMDb trivia, and one of the things that they talked about is the fact that when this movie did poorly, writer Joe Esterhouse took out an ad in Variety to encourage female viewers to go out and watch the movie because, let's see what it says, because it highlighted the exploitations that lap dancers are subjected to. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Women are not going to be surprised that women get treated like shit. Shocking. 
fucking yeah. shocking. I I swear, how many like was he either on he was either like on the drug that is the Bible or he was like actually on like hardcore drugs. Like I cannot tell when he was when he was writing this because this either comes from like almost like an evangelical view of like how right. this world works, or this Bizarre. comes from like I just did so much cocaine and I don't know what's going on. And you just like go and go crazy. Or like maybe maybe one like maybe that was Verhoven and like he that was like the evangelical was the script. Like I well, don't know. I, if I think I can't speak for Paul Verhoeven, but <laughs> given that my favorite my my favorite movie of all time is Robocop. Um, like without a without a doubt, it is the one really? movie I watch every year on Easter and sometimes even more often. And I love that he took a script that he saw as being sort of a silly action movie and he turned it into an action movie with social commentary. And he made Starship Troopers, you know, after that and after Showgirls, which again is like an over-the-top action movie with social commentary. Mm-hmm. And then he made Basic Instinct, um, which is, you know, this erotic thriller, but with other elements. So when I read that, he thought he was making, like, what if we made a hypersexual story, but in the style of those old Hollywood movies where it's sort of warning you against the the dangers of, of Hollywood, or in this case, of, of Vegas. And that's what he thought he was making. And if he had done it correctly, that would have been something that everybody still talks about today for a different reason. I think the problem is he got in way over his head and didn't know, unlike with RoboCop where he figured it out, I don't think he figured it out with this movie. And Joe Esterhaus's script is nowhere near as strong as a lot of the other scripts he worked with. And I think that was the biggest failing. He was trying, like, I feel, I feel silly saying this, but when you look at his other works beyond the fact that he wanted, he saw Elizabeth Berkeley in Saved by the Bell and thought and said, like, I want to see that girl naked. Like beyond the perviness of that, I, I get what he was going for. He just completely missed the mark and made something that is like beyond parody almost. Like it is hyper insane and rewatching it now. First I was, I couldn't believe it was over two hours. Uh, But second, I was like, Oh, like if you look at any of these scenes and imagine them written slightly better or directed in a more serious way, there's an interesting story here, but the way it's all pieced together, it's, it's like a fucking, like somebody put the script in a blender. Like it just, it doesn't edit together well at all. That being said, it is still like a fucking hilarious ride. The fact that we're, we're talking about it like 25 years later. If you go on the internet and you Google showgirls, right? Yeah. Um, you're going to see a whole bunch of think pieces about is showgirls actually a really good movie. Like I did that. I went on and I Googled it and there was like a hundred things like showgirls is actually a really good movie. There's Those a book about it. You. There's a book. They're a fucking whole book lying to written you. Written about it. It's not a good movie. It, it's it's unbelievable because especially, you know, I love RoboCop. I think Basic Instincts is a really... I, I think arguably Paul Verhoeven has two masterpieces and probably two or three really great films, right? Like, um, I, I think arguably Total Recall's a really good, a great film, right? Like, I think that's all 
possibly a great film, right? Please um, listen to the I commentary. Think... If you own that DVD right now, tonight, watch that with commentary with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Paul Verhoeven. It's the funniest com- – the Total Recall commentary is the funniest commentary in history because the whole commentary is like – Oh, you, this is the scene. Oh, this is the scene where I tell the great joke. Yeah, Love it. Yes, you can see me tell the great joke. Anyway, sorry. It's just uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger no, I... explaining the plot five seconds before it happens, and then Paul Verhoeven being like, yes, Arnold, I have seen the movie. I wrote it. And I think um, I think what Alex is saying is absolutely true. Like, it's crazy to look at his breadth of work and then Showgirls, especially, I think, even Starship Troopers, because I think – that's a really tough movie to make. Like, you're sort of taking a... P- I don't know if anyone here's read the book, but the book is basically like a fa- fascist daydream, like about fucking yeah. military. Yeah, yeah like and it's, essentially it's, what it's he pretty does, much like America common, common day. Right, right. And what he does is flip that on his head and do parody and action and sci-fi and put it all together and make it work. I feel like that's a really t- a tougher job than what Showgirl should be, right? So... I mean, it's crazy that he, I mean, every every director can have mess-ups, but, like, the way the ball was dropped on this film is um, hard to comprehend when you take in the breadth of the rest of his work. Yeah, and Robocop, obviously, is a I tough, thought, uh, an amazing movie, right? Watching this, I thought so much about, I. so I am a person within the horror genre who has a really hard time with, generally, with the genre of rape revenge. And I remember reading an article um, that was talking about male directors, like famous, especially famous classic male directors who have made rape revenge movies like Wes Craven, um, sort of talking about how, I think like a lot of those movies, I understand where they were coming from. Like you hear stories of male writers and male directors being like, I heard about this thing that happened and I was so shocked and appalled by it. And I wanted to try to make people understand. And I think the fundamental problem with that idea is that a most women, whether or not you are a survivor of sexual assault can understand that fear because we live it every day. Uh, And so, like, we don't need to see, and, like, we don't need to see a man be like, let me tell you this story that is not mine. And so much of Showgirls feels that way because so much, so many of the plot elements that are happening, like, all of the ways that the male characters are written and all the ways that the male characters treat the women in this movie are horrendous. And I think the movie wants us to understand them as horrendous, but it's also like, and maybe, maybe part of it too is like watching it in 2020, like after the, after the Me Too movement has come on the scene, but it's like, I watching it, it's like, I think this stuff is supposed to feel really surprising and it doesn't. And I can't tell if it's the time that we live in or if it's just being a woman and being like, yeah, no one is surprised that like, men are disgusting and like treat women like shit, but it feels like an example of, I, I, it feels like they, they had an idea and they were like, we want to tell this story that like is, is built from real stories that we found really upsetting. And like, we don't know, we just did not do it right. You're probably you're probably right in that regard because like if you take RoboCop for example, I know you haven't seen RoboCop, but RoboCop is like a parody of American culture 
like it, mm-hmm. it, on top of everything else. But it's like a huge parody and huge talking about uh, American culture from the outside, from a foreign director, right? Like right. There, there, there's like a there's like a level of commentary that comes from uh, a lot of uh, Verhoeven's work, and there's also like. Uh, you could definitely read like a lot of like American militarism commentary in like Starship Troopers, say. Yep. Yep. Um, and a lot of like fascist yeah. commentary and a lot of stuff like that. So like I do think that this is probably another attempt, um, at least from his perspective, to take another look at a certain segment of like American pop culture and then kind of um, maybe bungle. I wonder if I, I wonder if it's also like so. To kind of like set the stage through like a lot of these types of movies, like as like um, say Flashdance for example is like a big one, and Flashdance doesn't like doesn't really demonize it too much. Like I also don't fame maybe fame. Oh, is fame like a is fame super critical? Mm-hmm. I haven't seen fame to be honest with you. The movie, not the. Well, no, I haven't seen either. That's what I mean. It's kind of like, it's kind of like about stage life and stuff. Like right, that. right. But like, is it, it does it come out with like the stage? There's is elements great. of that. You yeah. should party in the stage. No, 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 no. It's like the ups and downs of it. You know what I mean? Oh, like okay. Yeah, uh, this show just seems like it's the downs. Like that's what this is. Just... Well, but but what we, you know, we're talking about like RoboCop and even Total Recall and um, not. The, I don't want to just continue to go back to his other work, but like in all those movies, like the purpose. Or the message is very clear. Like, you can enjoy RoboCop for the action, obviously, right? But, like, you can't escape the elements, right? They're not the, the elements of the tone and what he's trying to say in that film. Like, it's very clear, right? This film undercuts its message at every turn. Like, it's insane. You can't really tell... If you want to tell a story about how... um you know, this um, world uh, corrupts you and makes you a terrible person, you can't start with a damaged person, really. I mean, you can, but, like, you have to make it really clear that this life is what's destroying her, right? And if it's destroying her, you can't then turn around and make her, like, uh, a good person at heart and then come back out and then say she's fucked up. Like, it's bizarre. Like, it doesn't really have... An understanding of what its own message is, which is really weird to me. Like, it's, I feel like it doesn't... Well, and it's interesting because hearing you say that... So, I said before we started recording that I probably was going to defend this movie more than you guys anticipated I would. And I, by no means, would say this movie was good. But, like, <laughs> I also think that, to be totally frank, um, I don't think that... Like, my, one of my big beats with the movie would be that, like, Elizabeth Berkley's character doesn't have a lot of an arc. I don't think that it's that she is corrupted by this life. Like, she seems Oh, I agree. To, I agree. And yeah. I don't think we're at any point, at least for me, I at no point felt like, oh, she is a person that I'm supposed to, like, empathize with a great deal or think has, actually has a heart of gold. Because she just seems like a damaged, cutthroat self-centered person for the entirety of the runtime yeah and, and I, what i'm guess i'm trying to say is if you're trying to tell the story of corruption you have to have somebody who can be corrupted is what i'm kind of saying and i don't think they do that effectively is uh, big big hot take showgirls is not a movie that works no i mean i know and but, <laughs> but i think it's, so i'm just it, saying 
it's interesting because you mentioned like yeah like he was a foreign director he he did all these dutch movies like when before he came to the states and like yeah. some of those were about war and and the, I, his first big movie i think was turkish delight which was him and rutger howard which i think is a like a like a story of oath like I, I think it's a very sexy movie like i think there's a lot of nudity but it's 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 not it takes like place a, in a, narnia yeah yeah <laughs> Thank you, um, Andrew. I was trying to think of a good, like, line, the wish in the wardrobe tie-in, and I couldn't. By the way, Turkish Delight is delicious, uh, but you have to like rose water, which I get a lot of people don't. Um, but it is interesting that he comes and he makes this movie, he makes Robocop, which is sort of from his perspective and his point of view, and then you look at, at Basic Instinct, which is sort of the sexy thriller but very much from the man's point of view. And you look at Starship Troopers, which is his commentary on, on, on the military and everything. And I think with Showgirls, he just he couldn't get the voice right that he was trying to view it from. Because I think he kept switching back and forth and, and just he didn't have the right perspective on telling this story. Because there are certain scenes that I'm not saying Joe Esterhaus wrote them properly. But there are certain scenes that if you imagine being acted or directed differently, I'm like, oh, in the context of this story, I understand what this scene is trying to tell me. It just doesn't do it right. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's almost even worse, though, when you like getting into other stuff about it, that Elizabeth Berkley, I don't want to say got tricked into doing this movie, but very much like a, a, a Miley Cyrus or somebody coming out of Disney and wanting to all of a sudden shed that childlike image. Elizabeth Berkley had finished doing Say by the Bell and was approached to do this very sexy movie by a very high-profile director who really had... He didn't have any bombs. like He didn't have any movies that weren't great, and she got swept up into it, and he sort of, you know, steered her in the wrong direction... And I feel bad for the fact that, like, you know, her career tanked because of this movie. And uh, she never really acted in anything. Like, she she did, you know, other stuff. Like, I think she's done some of those Hallmark movies and and all that stuff. But it's sad to think that, like, she was 20. She was 19 or 20 when she was filming this. Um, Which is terrifying in and of itself. Because I'm thinking back to stuff like I did when I was 20. Uh... And I'm like, who oh boy, like, am I glad I didn't do that for an audience of millions? Uh, mm-hmm. And you aren't know. you glad you weren't naked when you did it, whatever it was? Well, you're saying that when you were 20, you weren't rubbing ice on your nipples? For the... Well, I, 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 I actually can't say that because there were a lot of really dumb drunk things I did. When I was <laughs> and one of them involved me almost getting naked in front of all my friends. But <laughs> uh, the fact that that happened... I'm glad that that wasn't public for everybody. Um, and that's the thing that's the hardest thing to put aside when I watch Showgirls. The fact that this isn't some silly thing that the lead actress mm. can look back on and, and, and fully laugh at. Like, sure, I saw that clip of her on the Saved by the Bell reunion on Jimmy Kimmel, uh, or no, J- Jimmy Fallon. Um, where she made the joke about showgirls, but that's like 20 years later. And I, it's just, you don't know how much is actually like, it's like, Oh yeah. It's really hard to reconcile the fact that like this movie, like ruined somebody's career. 
but it was just the woman in it. Like Gina Gershon right. had already done some sexy roles. Like I think she'd already done Bound. Bound is this... the year after. Fantastic okay. movie. Okay. So she, but she was very much in that that she was a little older and she was doing those kind of movies and she was ready for that. And I think, yeah, like she's also in this movie not primed for the jokes that Elizabeth. Like Gina Gershon's really pretty good in this movie, in my opinion, and she has a much harder role to skewer like it's not you know what i mean like she's Her, playing she, hers is one of the only a more cynical that makes sense and has a real right. arc right yeah well like and in, it's uh, hard because like like alex is saying i mean i feel if you read stuff with paul verhoeven after this he's pretty open about the fact that like he directed elizabeth berkeley to act the way she did so everyone she got so much shit over her performance, which is very bad, but like she was doing exactly what she was told to do. And so it's a bummer that then she didn't like, it's, it, it feels hard and also unfair to compare her to Gina Gershon. Cause Gina Gershon was yeah. being directed to act like a real person. And Elizabeth Berkeley was being directed <laughs> to act like a Muppet, like a human yeah. Muppet. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. And I feel, I feel similar about her that I do to somebody like Hayden Christensen where he's been in other movies besides the prequels, and he can act, but he was acting for George Lucas, who can't direct actors. And I, I don't, I don't know what you're, what you're saying. Uh, <laughs> me, me, me and my goiter uh, have something to say about this. Uh, but like, Natalie, Natalie Portman is, a, you know, a, a wonderful actress, and you watch the, the prequels, and like, oh, she's just, she's being directed poorly. So, and that's so the biggest so, problem that I I think Hayden Christensen and Jake Lloyd are the only people you can almost compare uh, Elizabeth Berkley to where she was shamed uh, a lot worse because she was, I, I, I think, because she was a woman in this movie yeah, that was yeah. ridiculous. I think the only thing that's even somewhat similar that you could compare for a man would just be the fact that there's rabid fanboys that are going to shit on you forever and make you quit acting like yeah that, um that happened it, it, to i think i think um jake lloyd and hayden christian said you get a lot of that but i think one of the best one-to-ones is probably uh ahmed best the guy who played jar jar binks because like Ooh. his he was just he's doing a role he was doing it as that like as he was supposed to doing it um, and he got like death threats. Like people went crazy. Well, at... you have to understand, Andrew. He's not a white guy, so he doesn't belong well, in Star Wars. That again, so. that's what I'm saying. Like that's what I'm saying. Like it's like any anything. Like it's it's bad if you're in like a movie and like you you do a performance like as directed poorly. But like if you're even like slightly in like a, yeah. a vulnerable group, like you get it way worse. Right. Like, I, I really. I, yeah. and, and, to Ahmed Best oh, credit, ahead, sorry, ahead. I just want to say to Ahmed Best credit, he yeah. has like he has gone back and like and still like does stuff with like the fans and stuff like that because he he again because he's in it for the kids. Like he'll like go and he'll he'll voice Jar Jar Binks in another thing just like because kids actually like the character and like even though every time he does it gets him skewered, the guy still goes out there. So uh, mm. Misa fan. Well, I would just yeah, I mean, I really feel what you're saying about Elizabeth. Like it really is not her and i don't know um, she's probably not a great actress but this is not like her fault per se and the rest of the movie's a mess too like it's not just her right you have freaking jake fratelli who like it's just sending like fake 
it's just sending like mixed messages this movie like it's trying to say it's bad but it's also trying to like glibly play misogynist jokes off and stuff like that and like the the strip club she's at with you know um you know the the um the bigger woman who comes out and tells like crazy misogynistic jokes and it's played for laughs and um like her the dude who owns the strip club Jake Robert Kelly Davey there, the Robert best. Davey is like um like trying to fuck everybody but also like is a really good guy at heart and like it's really it, it's really bizarre how they I think kind of what Sophie was saying I think they want to say something good, but they have no idea how to say it, and it just fails miserably. So I, I really don't feel like it's you can put all this on Elizabeth Berkeley. at no, all. No, not at all. Can can we talk a little bit? And I think Jason brought this up before we started recording, but can we talk a little bit about the character of James? Because like that Ugh. entire storyline, A, doesn't need to be in the movie. This movie is over <laughs> two hours long. You could literally what? delete every scene he's in, and it wouldn't matter. But also, I feel like what the it feels like the movie wants me to think that like there's a love story there and whatever, and it's like for the entirety of their interaction in every scene, he is like mansplaining her worth to her and <laughs> manipulating her and trying to get her in bed, and like it's just at, literally but, every scene he's in is so infuriating that it just Sophie. makes me so angry. But, oh God! Here it comes. God, here it comes. But Sophie, he's got towels. He literally listen. I know that you're. Gonna, I know that you're like that. That jokes are at the ready. First of all, any any man who will have sex with a woman on her period gets a gets a brownie point. He loses all the brownie points by being terrible. Like. By being a stalker? By being a stalker, by being someone who, like, repeatedly tries to shame her for what she's doing when, frankly, the dance sequence that he wrote for her is not that different than what she's doing. And then he starts having sex with another woman and giving her all this, like, feeding her all the same lines, gets her pregnant, proposes to her, is openly in front of her, like, hitting on Elizabeth Berkeley and saying he doesn't want to marry her. And then is like, go get me a beer, bitch. And she's like, isn't that cute? Like, what the fuck? But Sophie, I think you don't understand that he has a pussy problem. He told. Oh my god, I know. And I (laughs) don't we all? But like, actually, their their interactions led to one of the for me one of the best parts in the movie, which I don't know if any of you caught. But the so the first time they meet, right? They're at a club. She's dancing. He's like says to his friend, "She's a fucking terrible dancer." I'm going to go dance with her. And he is a bouncer at this bar. And his friend is like, you're not allowed to be like out on the dance floor patronizing with folks. You're going to get fired. He's like, don't worry about it. It's fine. He goes out and dances with her. She needs him in the balls. We've all been there. Um, so she gets, <laughs> she gets arrested for starting this huge melee that, that happens after like he bumps into some dancers. So he bails her out. So she got arrested after leaving a club in Vegas, she's wearing like a bright, like coral red flapper dress. Um, when he bails her out and they're leaving the prison 
and we're like, they're both walking and it's a lot of like tracking shots of their torsos walking and you're hearing like his shoes clunk, clunk, clunk and her shoes like click, click, click of her high heels. And then it cuts to her like she goes on the stairs backwards and is like, a co- like yelling at him and it's a full body shot of her and she's wearing fucking slippers, like little like slip on <laughs> slippers. And for the rest of the scene, whenever she's walking, it's like click, click, click. Like she's wearing high heels. It's like, we all just saw you wearing slippers that like, clearly prison was not like we would love to make you more comfortable you can have some slippers it was just like a continuity (laughs) error where like elizabeth berkeley did not want to have heels on anymore um but it was fucking hysterical and i rewound and watched it over again like five times it made me laugh so hard i think the conversation actually like this paul i don't want to be in this fucking movie anymore well we give you slippers and we just keep shooting she literally was wearing like the same i don't know if this i can't describe them adequately they were like so I went to a, a Montessori school where everyone, like we did, once you got into school, you took your shoes off. Everyone had a pair of slippers. You'd put your shoes in a bin and get your slippers out of your bin. And my teacher literally wore those same slippers. They were like the very 90s, like mom slippers that were just like a, a slightly thicker sock with like a doily around the edge and like no <laughs> slip pads on the bottom. And Elizabeth Berkeley's just like strutting out of prison in her like Sexy, sexy flapper dress with her little, like, mom slippers, and it was great. That is hysterical. I'm sad that I didn't notice that, because I'm somebody who watches RuPaul's Drag Race every week, and the fact that I didn't notice somebody's flats when they were pretending to be wearing heels, I'm ashamed of myself. Please go back and rewatch that scene. It is so funny. Because then you're like, oh, wow, they had to edit in high heel scenes, or sounds, for every single step she takes, and they didn't notice that her s- slippers are very visible <laughs> for like a whole scene. It's it's so good. That is amazing. <laughs> um, I feel like James is again another one of those characters that is a combination of the character you would see in those in those old Hollywood warning movies, like the morality tales, but also he must be an amalgamation of, they mention in the IMDb trivia that like Joe Esterhouse and, and Paul Verhoeven did talk to a lot of showgirls to uh, get their, their point of view on, um, on, on how they were treated by these men and everything. And certain lines of dialogue that they said were even put in the movie. So I have a feeling James is a combination of things where these are stories that they were told and he might have been an amalgam of that. But I think reading that they they tried to make it true to some of these stories might also be why the movie feels so disjointed, Mm -hmm. where maybe they were trying to insert so many people's stories into the movie because they interviewed so many people. They tried to make it like, oh, we need to make this appealing to this girl who told us this story, but also this girl who told us this story. Because it seems insane that all of this happens to, like, one character. Right, right, right. Life is 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 difficult and and you are going to have a crazy story but it feels like they tried to sensationalize so many different aspects of so many different stories that to put them all on one character it just doesn't work right and it, what's it, what's 
Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I'm sorry. I was going to say, it's kind of like, um, so I remember like science. So this is going to sound like a weird tangent, but I, t- I swear it's, it's connected. So Science of the Lambs, I remember listening to the commentary for Science of the Lambs. And when I was listening to the commentary for that movie, it literally had John Douglas for like the FBI Mindhunter guy. Uh, who's like the biggest blowhard in history. But anyways, we'll get not, not appropriate for right now. But in it, he talked about how in order to create Buffalo Bill, they took all of these different killers and like kind of amalgamated them. And that's kind of emblematic of like what's like true crime. It's like so obvious when you combine terrible things that people had because like literally their psyches and like their psychoses and like their very specific personality disorders right. he does the um buffalo bill does the like cast <clears throat> thing where he's actually in that moment you know being ted bundy and then he does you know what i mean That's yeah it, yeah it goes yeah, from yeah. like bundy to Gein to like to Dahmer yeah. and like the, like those sets of things are not congruent with each other and like i think that really kind of fits with what alex was saying because like it does kind of feel like the same thing with james's character where they they put in all these different traits of terrible people and then like they didn't create like a through line of a character like the character is just like here bad thing that happened to people these are bad things here's a timeline and by the yeah. way, the joke I made about these towels was mostly because of his delivery, not because. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's, no, it's, no, it's. I insane. get you. Him being like, I got towels. The way that he delivers that line takes away any brownie points that he gets for being okay with having sex with a woman on his period. Like. But, oh man, that whole fucking scene is bizarre. She's she's like, I'm on my period. Like that's the only reason not to fuck this dude who's obviously been stalking her. And then she's like, I'll prove it, and jams his hand down her fucking shorts. Right? And then he's like, I got towels. Yeah, like, it's a what? weird, it's it's all weird. It's all weird. So here, all weird. here's going to be the part where I'm either going to shock all of you and or we're going to have an interesting discussion, which is that um, people who have ever heard me on a podcast know that a serious um, sticking point for me in a lot of pop culture is the portrayal of rape. Um, mm. and I think this movie does actually does a really good job visually. They, they clearly like drop, like Molly's story clearly like does not get the emotional like justice and payoff that it should. But I think like the portrayal of her sexual assault and the aftermath are, were like surprisingly well handled in my opinion, as compared to, like, other things that we have seen. Yes, I think... I would add to that that, like, I think... I would add to that that I think, like, everything with Molly is pretty good. Yeah. Like, the way she is as a friend. Yeah. The way that she, like, like all... Her actual... She gets a better arc, sort of. You know, she needs something after that right for herself personally right. that they never do. But, like, if they had finished that story off... She would have easily been the best character in this film, so, in my opinion. What do you think about the revenge portion of that story? Because, like, it goes sure. from, like, a very her, serious... That's, like, one of my issues with that, because, like, the actual act is, like, really serious and, like, really, like, oh, my... Yeah. Oh, my God. And then the aftermath and, like, the revenge, quote-unquote, part of it is just so ridiculous. It feels like yes. it's from a whole different movie. No, like, I she totally just shows agree. up and it's just, like... 
well, you haven't seen me bottomless. And then, to be very clear, to be, yeah, to be very clear, what I'm talking about is just like the, the scene in which Molly is sexually assaulted, which is brutal, but not exploitative. Like, right. No, it's like from her perspective being on the bed. Right. right. Like it's, and yeah, like, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't like, for a movie that is very exploitative of everyone, like, uh, or I shouldn't say of everyone, of all its female characters, this scene is like not, I did not find it to be gratuitous or exploitative of Molly's character or of like the act of rape. And I think the scenes that we get sort of immediately after where she like wanders downstairs and she is just like absolutely brutalized, I found to be devastating and really powerful. But again, it didn't feel like sensational. They were just like, this is a horrible reality that so many people have had to go through. And so I like, I'm on board with that. I mean, I shouldn't say I'm, I'm on board with it, but like the way they portray that storyline, I appreciate up through the point where like they go to the hospital and Kyle McLaughlin's like, we're not going to do mm. shit because like these guys might be at our hotel and like, we need to keep them happy. And so like all right. through that, I'm like, all of this is go- like well handled as a storyline. Um, just from like a, perspective of, of being a female viewer I was like yeah that guy should get his ass whooped and then I was like but wait a second like you're just gonna let the other two guys be fine and also if you're not trying to keep your job at the casino why did you not immediately call the police like right th- correct if you're gonna leave Vegas anyway first of all don't leave Vegas your best friend just got raped and probably needs to not be alone but second of all if you're gonna leave that job call the cops but, like, I think the portrayal of the act itself and the immediate aftermath are surprisingly done very well considering how poorly managed a lot of the rest of this movie is. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, it's um, mind-blowing. This is a film that can't get eating fast food <laughs> and gets correct <laughs> the thing that no other film really gets right. It's insane. That is, it's crazy. Now, now, you know, there's been a um, million films who have tried to, to have scenes like that and failed miserably, and that's the only thing this film gets right. It's bananas. Well, yeah, I do think she had a good reason to leave though, because she wanted her suitcase, right? Like that was uh, that was her primary uh, focus. She that wanted, was not God. why she left. It just happened to be the guy that picked her up. Why? Also, Why do we have that, that bookend? She, it's so fucking the stupid. The fact that she thinks that he would still so have her suitcase is ridiculous. <laughs> what if he did, though? Like, what if he just has it in his backseat? He's like, oh, I didn't mean to steal this. I, just, I didn't realize it was here. <laughs> okay. I, I want to go back to... um. Oh, sorry, Alex. I know you, you haven't talked about, but I, I just want to go back to something you were talking about before, which is James' character and, like, the point of there being, like, a moral payoff for that character or and how, like how bad this film is is getting that right, which is like his moral payoff is, I guess I knock this girl up. If I fuck too many women, I'm going to get somebody pregnant and now I'm stuck with them. Like that's his moral payoff. So I can't dance anymore. Like, yeah, he's going to go Jesus manage Christ, a grocery store or whatever. Yeah. No, I got to work at a grocery store. Yeah. Like what? Um, I think it's, it's interesting that, yeah, I love that at the end she ends up in the 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 truck with the guy from the beginning because that is something you see in old stories 
Like, it's like, oh, like, everything comes full circle. So I love that, again, mm-hmm. it's Joe Esterhaus trying to do, like, an old Hollywood-style morality thing. And I love that it ends like that. But I do agree that, yes, it is sort of weird that the movie ends with the revenge for the rape and then there's no real follow-up. I, I do agree that I think that, like, I, I, I don't want to be the contrary in here. I do think that the rape scene was, filmed and 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 done much better than other scenes in the movie and and like the emotion of it really comes across but knowing what a sicko paul verhoeven is i wonder if he almost didn't push it too far because when you look at like the director's cut of robocop and look at all the stuff that got cut for just him being such a perv and pushing things too far or well not so much a perv with that one but with starship troopers and with basic instinct the story of Sharon Stone saying she didn't know that he was filming up her legs and everything. Like, I know that he's a dude who's really into gratuity, and I wonder how much of it was him really trying to make a message and how much was him trying to see what he could get away with because he knew he was getting an X rating any or an NC-17 rating anyways. So he knew that he could push it a little further with this movie. And I do think that it's important that he does show how brutal this was, but I think... He purposely, uh, I could just be reading into it myself, but I think he might have gone a little further because he's a bit of a a weirdo. As someone who watched L, which like circles centers around a rape, like he definitely handled it better in this movie than he did in L. Oh no! Should I not have that in my collection? (laughs) You, You should watch it. It is an interesting movie. I did not like it, but it's interesting. Yay, interesting. Anyways. <laughs> well, it's, it's also weird so, that, like, yeah, uh, post-2000, like, when he, he, you know, he did Hollow Man, and then he sort of didn't do stuff oh, for a while. God, oh, Hollow Man. And then oh, the most perverted, like a... the most perverted <clears throat> movie of all time. Sorry. Yeah, but then he did um, Black Book, which is about a a uh, a Jewish uh, woman pretending to be a German singer and seducing men and killing them during World War II, and it stars um, uh, I can't remember her name. The girl from Carice uh, Van Houten, I think her name was from Game of Thrones, um, who played uh, mm-hmm. the 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 Red Lady, the the, the Red Lady. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So. He, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this, but no, it's it's that one's sort of a revenge movie too. But I I I've heard is is good, but it's not streaming anywhere, and I haven't seen it. But um, no, he's he's a he's a complicated dude that uh makes gross stuff, and like when he did Starship Troopers, and he wanted all the the everybody to be naked for that shower scene, and they're like, well, only if you're gonna get right. naked, and he's like, okay. Like he's just that guy. So he can't make it. Yeah. Because why not? Well, yeah. well, I mean, um, like, of course, he's like, yes, this is my greatest dream. I cannot believe. I, you know, some people, <laughs> for some people, this is their nightmares. This is my greatest dream to be naked in front of everyone. Okay. Um, so it's everyone else's nightmare now. I'm, I'm trying to think of other stuff we need to hit on for this because we did mention, uh, I, we did mention the I the woman we, with doing the stand up with with. Where she does the weird arches her back and her her breasts pop out. Uh, I love that Robert Davy, who always plays like a scumbag, 
Like, you know, he's famously that one Bond villain who's like the drug lord. And, oh, that's yeah. where I knew him from. Yeah. Oh, so for I him to be I like running this strip club and to be like a real piece of shit, but also sort of have like, oh, like I, I, I do care about the girls a little bit, but like if you want to stay here, you better give me a blowjob. And just like, again, he felt right. like a combination of way too many characters. Yeah. Um, to the point where, like, the last time you see him in the, mo- in the movie is when he comes to visit her when she's working at the, the casino. And then he says the line where, like, must be weird not having men come on you all day. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah! And it's supposed to be endearing? Like, I don't... That's so bizarre. It's yeah. terrible, yeah. It's also, bizarre. what kind of strip club are you running? Like, that you're not, that's not supposed to happen in strip clubs. It's like, I think he makes it explicitly clear that he encourages his dancers to have sex with men, or at the very I least, don't... simulate sex until they finish. Yeah. Right, because or... they get more money. Yeah, like oh. when she, <laughs> when he bargains with uh, Kyle MacLachlan and, um, and Gina Gershon, up to $500 so that uh, she can, so that Nomi can take them into the back room and do that weird, uh, the, the weird strip tease where she <laughs> grinds in his face and then rides him until Speaking he comes. Speaking of med finishing. Um, which, again, like, an insane scene. Uh, and, and, okay, I will admit that, like, uh, because I had a crush on Elizabeth Berkeley when I was younger and before, I, I'm sure I'd either seen the movie at this point or I'd only seen the two scenes in this movie I'd only seen were like when she's doing that strip tease and when she has sex with Kyle McLaughlin in the pool. So when either of those scenes was on when I was watching the Blu-ray the other day, the music is so burned in my brain because like on Kazaa or whatever file sharing program I was using back in the day to download those individual scenes, those were the only scenes I saw for a while so it's like i hear that music and like i'm transported back to being like 13 years old sitting in the basement watching that gross scene on my computer thinking it's oh you're saying sexy. this has a pavlovian uh well, it, di- it didn't turn me on i was just like oh my god uh. this is so fucking weird I, <laughs> I i i don't know what this song is but i've heard it hundreds of times I feel like it's it's so weird that I feel like David Lynch probably went to the premiere and was like, what the hell was that? What the <laughs> yes. fuck? Well, okay. So. I will tell you what, the Eraserhead baby, sexier than anything in this one. <laughs> um, I don't, I, I can't guarantee how true this story is because it's one of those ones where it's like, I think it was either read in an interview or something where Kyle MacLachlan behind the scenes was, you know, doing his best to have conversations with Elizabeth Berkeley. But she was only like 19 or 20 and she'd been doing Side by the Bell for a long time. So it wasn't like she would have se- like she wouldn't have seen Dune or she wouldn't have seen uh, she might not have seen Blue Velvet. So the only movie that she had seen him in that they could like talk about was the Flintstones. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. Dear God. Yeah. Talk about a horrible depiction of Vegas. My God. Yeah. Well, no, he's in the first movie. He's not in Viva Rock Vegas with Robert Baratheon and the Baldwin brother. (laughs) Oh, God damn it, I forgot. Oh, fucking Viva. That scene with her, I mean, I can't, I can't just, I I just can't emphasize enough how unsexy that scene, like, when she starts flailing on top of Kyle Lachlan, I don't know if it's. Jason, are you pulling a Republican senator right now? Like you said, no. you have, de- you have it de- looks denied like it she so is, many times. I, 
No, I said this before. I was scared for her. No, yeah. As someone who saw that scene outside of the context of this film, um, just like doing my own personal research, I thought something bad was happening to her. <laughs> yes. Like watching the movie, I was like, oh, she, she's, she's doing this on purpose. This is good for her, I guess. Like that was shocking. It makes me wonder if Elizabeth it Berkley looks like was. He's a- bracing himself. Yeah. Like, it makes me curious if Elizabeth Berkley was maybe, like, a full virgin when this movie was shot. And she was like, this is what sex looks like, I assume. Like, <laughs> Well, no, the, pro- yes. the problem is she was directed like that, right? Like, that was not Elizabeth Berkley. I'm like, sure. I'm sure. But, like, what was the di- wait, no wait, wait, way, wait, like, wait, wait, Andrew. What was the direction for that? Trump on the deck Nail and around. fuck like a fish. SpongeBob <laughs> Square. You see that fish? Like, I don't know. Yes. Like, what? Um... Well, this is a good time, uh, Sophie. I know you wanted to talk about safe jacuzzi sex. That was a topic that you asked that to bring up. It was less safe sex in a pool. It's more just like logistically talking about the difficult. Okay, a couple things since we brought this up. First of all, logistically, I don't know how you give someone a blowjob in a pool. Because as soon as, if their penis oh, is submerged yeah. underwater, the moment you open your mouth, your mouth is full of pool water. So yeah. at most, I mean, I don't know how long you can hold your breath for, but like at most you, you're like, I guess, filleting a dick underwater for like a minute, which is weird. But the, listen, since we're talking about safe sex underwater, <laughs> water just washes away all the natural lubricants and like it's not the same like Mm. It's not the same. It's one of those things that looks better in my movie mm-hmm. than in real life. It doesn't feel great. Um, yeah. There's nothing sexual in having to give someone uh, mouth-to-mouth resuscitation <laughs> after being under in the pool for yeah. two minutes trying to put your penis and in. And yeah. don't... I've, I, I wish I could remember what... Oh, actually, this was in a podcast that I know Jason also loves. Uh, the Tobolowski Files. Don't try to have sex oh. in the bathtub. It just makes a big old mess. <laughs> like, yeah. you just splash uh, water I love everywhere. That <laughs> That podcast yeah. is the best, but yes, that's true. Yeah, I didn't know you. I have. I am listening to Tobolowski Files for the. I listened to it like way back in whenever it came out, twenty twelve. I'm doing my third re-listen right now. Nice. It's helping me like get through the coronavirus. It got me yeah. through a lot. It was like one of the very first podcasts I ever listened to. So it's you Same. know there's a lot of there's a yeah. lot of like I'm walking around at three a.m. in my small little town listening to Tobolowski Files. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I guess we can probably wrap it up with final thoughts. Like, I'm trying to think of well, what other... Are we even... I, I, sexy... It's hard when the movie's two hours long to... to I, I'm trying to imagine if if we've touched on on everything at this point, because there are... We, ha- we haven't t- really touched on the, like, cycle of violence that they seem to um, infer is inherent in the showgirl business, like... Um, everybody just tries to murder everybody else to get ahead, which I think is, you know, not like a necessarily inherently a bad uh, plot device. It's just like the scene where she pushes Gina Gershon down the stairs is so fucking weird. It's so fucking weird because she just like come, comes marching and, and like, you know, they really set up this thing that like she's really like flies off the handle really quickly. So I think that kind of works, but it's just like, then the scene where they're like in the hospital together, and Gina Gershon's like, "Eh, it's all good. I have insurance." Yeah, is like, and like, the, how do you think I got what? to be the star of the show? 
Like <laughs> everybody kills everybody. Yeah, like but, what? Okay. Also, uh, as far as stuff that didn't need to be in the movie, what was the point of the monkeys? And what was the point of the monkeys <laughs> eating garlic? Like chimpanzees. Yes, they, they kept bad calling gas. the monkeys, and they were chimpanzees, the and that did bother me because I was like, <laughs> no, those are all. In my head, I see Chibi. a chimpanzee and I call it cheetah because I loved this live-action Tarzan show when I was a kid. Anyways, not so because of the strip club where Elizabeth Berkeley originally worked. <laughs> no, <laughs> ironically, no. But I, anytime I see a chimpanzee, I call I, in my head. I just go like, "Oh, it's a cheetah." So I was like, "Why are all these cheetahs here? Those aren't monkeys." <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, uh, I, I oh, always think so, of I think Caesar. just to set up that like that one lady was mean, like she's mean to the kid and she's mean to the oh my god chimpanzees, right? We have to talk about that dude. <laughs> she's but yelling she at the kids. the kids to go fuck themselves. Alexa, <laughs> shut the fuck up! And it was so funny. This is a and she is living Andrew's dream. I mean, can we listen? <laughs> I'm someone who used to be a nanny and loves kids, but like. Maybe. Why are those kids there? That's not the best place to bring your children. <laughs> and these other people did not sign up to be around your children. So while I think she's being too harsh, I'm also, and I get it, like sometimes <laughs> childcare is an issue and you don't have anyone to watch your kids, but like just not, not setting a great example for your child by being like, look at all these topless women covered in <laughs> glitter and screaming profanity. Uh, but I love and that those just kids like are wild animals like running around. Those kids are dressed like they just came off the stage of a Mary Poppins <laughs> fucking production, mm -hmm. playing the children, and they're like in cardigans and shit. <laughs> Jason and, like, wanted the children to be topless. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> True. True. I'm so sorry. Um, that was too much. No, it does. No, <laughs> I mean, again, um, we're talking about Paul Verhoeven, a man who has never once said that's better. too much. <laughs> <laughs> can we can we get the children? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Can we no. get the bowl of ice for the children? I did oh, read Paul. on IMDb, IMDb that all of the women hated filming scenes with the chimps because the chimps would just stare at their naked breasts and make them really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> like especially get that was just Paul Verhoeven. <laughs> no, I was gonna say one of them was one of them was like especially get that chimp out and it was just Joe Esther House and he's just like <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, we haven't mentioned that she uh, goes to the 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 gallery in in Vegas after making the money for doing the lap dance and having like whatever. I'm assuming she has either three hundred or three fifty left after uh, tipping out the house, but she buys the Versace dress uh, uh, and then calls it Versace, and then they correct her later, like, oh, it's Versace. Uh, again, like, I don't get uh, why that was... Like, I, I don't get why that needed to be a story element. It didn't really pay off. It wasn't like she... It, it, I don't know. It, it didn't make any sense. Um, I'm trying to say she's a fraud, kind of. Yeah. Right? Like, that's what no, it's like she's like. she's getting herself into a thing that she doesn't understand, right? Like, she buys this right. dress oh, that's, from yeah. a designer, and she doesn't know how to pronounce the name. She just, like, knows it's a status symbol, and it will look good on her. And she wears um, it to her first day at this new job that will ultimately be so much more and worse than what she's anticipating. Right. Right. I, and I see, the fact I've that... Seen 
I've seen so much Riverdale. Like, I don't even know if that's just like a fake name for like a real dress in this universe. Like, I don't know. Is this like no, a glance Versace? Versace? A, wait, you know, know Versace is a thing. Okay. Yes, I know Versace is a thing. I just thought they were like fake calling it for Sace or something like Riverdale oh, style. I, like, well, that's, I could that's, not that's, stop that's a real Riverdale. About... That's a real Archie comics thing. Yeah. yeah. I could not yeah. stop thinking yeah. about um, uh, that like very very old OG Kanye song when he's like, I can't even pronounce nothing. Past that Versace, and I was like, Did he get oh, that yeah. from Showgirls? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised because his, his pop culture references are always on point. I'm, um, I'm, a, I'm a sorry T Swift, but Elizabeth Berkeley was the best dancer of all time. Um, I mean, Elizabeth Berkeley I, can dance better than Taylor Swift. You heard it here first. I, that's, well, I that's, mean, yeah, that's not even a hot take. That's yeah, that's just I don't, I don't know who watches Friends here, but uh, I loved it when. They were when she was doing the auditions and everything, and there's that uh, sort of bitchy guy with the red hair, um, mm-hmm. who's I don't know if he's the choreographer or whatever he is, um, but he actually he's in an episode of Friends uh, as like the guy running um, Dick Clark's New Year's Rock and Eve and deciding who gets to be dancing on on TV. So he's like the guy holding the clipboard, being really bitchy to everybody. I'm like. Oh man, it's the guy from Friends. And then I was like, oh wait, he did Showgirls first. Like, he's oh, the shit. guy from Showgirls. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess he just got typecast in that role. Poor dude. Like, Jesus. Yeah. I want to say I kind of really like the idea of Kyle McLaughlin's character in the sense that he's kind of like the predator pretending to be the nice guy. Like, I sort of um, do appreciate that he, like, um, is, like, a terrible human being, but does a really interesting job of, like, covering himself and being and playing the good guy yeah. in the mix for a while. And I think that's a really great um, juxtaposition of everyone else who's, like, just an outright scumbag. Mm-hmm. And I like how it kind of plays out how he's, like, kind of worse than them because of that. Right. Yeah. Like, the whole um, boat show and, thing. And I, that, yeah, right, right. I think that actually really works well. Like, I think that's one of the few elements that I... Um, think is good about this film i think the only issue with it though is that he's one of the characters that really gets not even a comeuppance but like not even really a a payoff like andrew no ending no no ending like andrew donald's or whatever the guy's name is nomi beats the shit out of him uh like molly is in the hospital recovering uh crystal's in the hospital recovering nomi leaves and the only other character whose thread is sort of up in the air is yeah kyle mclaughlin and we don't. Well, she it, did sort spit of, in his face. That's true, but like, if we had have a, if we had had a scene where well, Paul Verhoeven thought that was uh, positive. <laughs> <laughs> if, 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 if we had had a scene where he gets a phone call about how that Andrew Daniels or whatever that guy's name is, uh, how he's not gonna do the thing, or how he's his vocal cords have been damaged mm-hmm. and he won't be doing anything. If he got something where like he's gonna get reamed out for it, or or if the the hotel owner like, reamed him out at the end of, o- over something. Like, at least that would be a, a smidgen of closure. But instead, yeah, the last we get is is her spinning on him and then leaving. And I get that that must have been Paul Verhoeven being like, well, his character's now sort of reached his apex. Like, he's shown his true colors, and there's no point really in showing any more of him. But when he's in this movie that is over two hours, he's in so much of it, you're like, oh, well... I- I really thought I'd get more of an ending than, yeah, him just getting spit on. 
But I think to Jason's point, like, it is very important that, like, he doesn't, there aren't really, like, tangible negative consequences for him. Because, like, realistically, there wouldn't be. I, like, everything I that guess, he did... I, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. I said like that's that that's fair, but I think like he doesn't get any ending really. Like I think that's probably what the biggest issue is. Like even even if they had been like it doesn't feel intentional. Yeah, like even if they had been like Opadu, you're still everything's fine. You've got like uh, the super understudy, and she's gonna do a dance, and then you got Andrew Vanoffels, his greatest cousin is going to do the show instead or like well, even if like you that. just thought like yeah yeah well would have been really interesting is if they had the next uh, next her come in and him like ingratiate himself yeah you know and do the same thing again um to show the cycle much better much more interesting than her getting back in the car with that douchebag with the night anyway sorry yeah. sophie i didn't mean to That's... interrupt you there um no you're good i don't remember what i was saying <laughs> i've had a lot of wine <laughs> I thought, uh, no, I thought the ending of his arc was, I found the ending of his arc satisfying because I feel mm -hmm. like, and I was struggling to think of like a different example, but I sort of, I think there are movies where, and this is not necessarily one of them, where the effective thing can be like, it's not like we didn't know Kyle McLaughlin was bad, right? Like, we saw things earlier on that showed that he was a bad guy, like, when the um, executive basically, like, propositioned Elizabeth Berkeley, and then she reported him to Kyle McLaughlin, and he basically immediately was like, we get it, we've all done it, blah, blah, blah. Like, I think we're supposed to understand that his character is bad, but I think the, the their final altercation for me felt like the mask is all the way off and she is seeing the mask all the way off. And again, I can't think of a good example, which is kind of ruining my argument, but I, I, I sort of like sometimes in movies where like the conclusion for a character is like, Oh yeah, they really are as bad as we saw them to be and maybe worse. And like, that's, that sort of is the end of their story. And the, literally the only example I can think of, which is not an example, is um, Mean Girls, because Regina King does get a, a final like cap, capstone, but that's literally all I can think of because my quarantine brain is like, the only villain was Regina George and Mean Girls. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, I, would, I would say an interesting way to end his character for me would have been if they had a scene where you find out that yes now that Nomi's gone and Crystal's gone that girl who dropped the diamonds at the one scene and backed up Nomi's story becomes mm -hmm. the, the new Whoa. her yeah but, they might have been setting that up that's true but I, cause they I think it would have been interesting if earlier in the movie they had sort of explored that like she was sort of a man eater or she she was into like using using men for something where if it at the end, if her and Kyle McLaughlin ended up, you know, together, it's like, oh, they almost deserve each other. Like, I'd be curious to see who fucks over who first. Like, I think that would have been more interesting just to see that, like, oh, he may have finally met his match. Like, he might have found somebody despicable. That's Showgirls too, Alex. That's well, Showgirls there is too. A show, uh, there is a Showgirls well, too from that was directed by or directed by and starring the girl who played Penny. Uh, the girl who gets pregnant, she made a what? sequel to Showgirls. It's called like Showgirls Two Pennies from Heaven or something, and it's all about like her 
being a showgirl uh, again, but it's it's like a mocking, like it's almost like Spaceballs, like it's like a Mel Brooks style like parody of showgirls, but with her reprising her her role. Penny, who upon arriving in Vegas to become a stripper, the owner of the club gives her a new stripper name, which is Hope, and I was like, a little on the nose, you guys. We get it. <laughs> a new Hope, and in the. And James is in <laughs> fucking Showgirls 2, so is he just working in a grocery store? Wait a minute, James is in Showgirls 2? <laughs> yes, Glenn Plummer is in Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. And we see just in the towel section of the supermarket. Like, he just, that's all you can do. <laughs> um, so, yeah. uh, what are we doing next week, guys? <laughs> Penny's from Penny's from uh, No. Dear God. I, I have to say, um, I've watched two Logan Paul movies for this show, um, and um, what the hell did we watch last week? That fucking Dangerous, Dangerous Lies. Dangerous Lies, the most generic movie title and most <laughs> generic movie of all time. Yes, Dangerous Lies. I really hate Showgirls. Like, I, I, I watched the fucking Logan Paul movies. Like, wow. It's insane, by the way. I like, anyone seen those, ever but seen... I'm offended by that opinion. Anyone who's seen, like, two seconds of one of those Logan Paul movies, I was so drunk. <laughs> the Thinning. I was so drunk during the commentary for The Thinning New Order, and it's still one of the worst nights of my life. Why I did like, you watch? I, how does Logan Paul uh, link up to Riverdale? I'm curious. Well, because Archie's, uh, sorry, uh, Reggie's actor, second actor, uh, Charlie Melton, I think is Charles Melton. I think is his name. Uh, he's in the he's sequel. In the to the sequel so I thought it would be fun to do a commentary for the sequel, having never seen the original. And then Jason did the insane thing where he watched the original first, so then he could tell us all about the plots <laughs> of the world as we watched it. Um, it is a very drunk episode, but it was fun. I love that Sophie just looks disappointed <laughs> in me for watching that fucking movie. It's awful, guys. It's awful. Um, but, like, I don't know. The movie just kind of infuriates me. I don't know. I, I wish I had more fun with it. I know some people have fun with this movie. But for some of the reasons Alex touched on, like, um, the way Elizabeth Berkeley was treated and has since treated, I just can't have fun with this movie. Really, personally, it just infuriates me. That so that's that's true. fair. Sophie, upon a first watch, what did you think? So I forget if I said this before we started or while we were recording, but um, I watched this the same day that I watched Bliss, and I dare say I liked this better. <laughs> so that's <laughs> where I landed. Like I didn't. I would never watch this movie again probably and i would not recommend it to anyone um but yeah that's where that's where i'm at damn harsh criticism of bliss i really like that movie but anyway i'm so a- sorry i did i did not no and it's i fine. just recorded an episode about it you can listen no to it's fine us both just- not like it <laughs> No, that's completely fair. Not everyone likes the same movies. Uh, Alex, um, get, will this will it be another eight years before you revisit this movie? When inevitably I have another podcast episode on it because I've started the Berkeley cast or some other shit. Um, you know, <laughs> I I remembered it more fondly than uh, when I watched it again. 
And it wasn't even something I saw as a kid. Yeah, I saw it the first time I ever got drunk and and everything. Um, I do think it feels more like a director's cut. It feels like, no, there might be a good, like, not even a good, but like a more interesting tight 90-minute movie in there um, that is bogged down by all these extra fucking scenes that are pointless. But that being said, the more I sort of read about it, the more I'm curious to go back and, and because I have the Blu-ray, I can watch it with the commentary with like the world's biggest super fan where he talks about why it's the best movie ever. So wait a minute, wait that. a minute. Who is the world's biggest super fan? Is, is it named? the guy that wrote the book about it? I think so. I think it's <laughs> that guy. Adam Nystrom or something. He wrote a book that says, that was called like, It Doesn't Suck or something oh, about yeah. this movie. You're wrong. I'm pretty sure You're it's wrong. him. And then there's also, I think, like the pop-up video sort of track. So, like, I will never revisit this as a film experience again, but I will probably rewatch it, like, with the commentary or with the pop-up. And <laughs> the other funny story that I forgot to tell about Showgirls is when I bought the when I bought the Blu-ray, I was at um, a Walmart, and I bought um, Showgirls and Coyote Ugly <laughs> because. <laughs> My wife, Jesus, my now wife, uh, was with me, and she loves Coyote Ugly. But the funny thing is, at Walmart, they had that thing where when they, because you're buying it at just a regular cashier, it does that thing where when you scan it, it pops up and says, like, oh, is the person over 17 or whatever? Um, so the cashier wasn't paying attention, and because I was buying two R-rated movies in a row, it only popped up once. And because she only hit yes once, I technically never paid for my copy of Showgirl. <laughs> and I didn't notice until I got home where I love uh, it. I accidentally got Excuse it. Excuse me, the free. police are here? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I accidentally got my Blu-ray of Showgirls for free through a weird glitch in the Walmart pricing system. And uh, that just makes me appreciate it even more. <laughs> I love that you tried to pay for Showgirls and then like <laughs> they're yeah. like just yeah. take it. The computer wouldn't let me. Was like no, that's fucking stupid. The computer was Don't like ah, we do not have this in our system. We are Walmart. There is no way this is appropriate to our family friendly image. Ah, uh, this does not exist in our system. I swear to God. Yeah, it <laughs> was. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. I will say it's it's, it's you a get... great looking Blu-ray. And when I went to Vegas. Uh, it's crazy to think that I went to Las Vegas February of this year uh, before the world fell apart. And um, one of the things, right, right before we left, I actually said to my wife, Sam, I was like, we should watch Showgirls because like, we should watch a bunch of stuff that takes place like in Vegas and everything. And then we didn't end up having time to do it. And when I rewatched it last week, I was glad I didn't make her watch it because... That has happened a few times where I've said they're like, oh, we really need to watch this thing because I remember it fondly. And then I rewatch it and I'm like, fuck, I'm so glad I didn't have her rewatch that with me because that would have just been one of those strikes against me. Uh, I don't think she would have enjoyed this at all. Uh, no. That being said, my favorite, my favorite scene, well, not my favorite, but like something that I loved was when Nomi is like sitting on the roof and she's looking at that one sign on the strip. She was looking at the original sign from out front of the Flamingo, and that was actually the hotel that I stayed at. So the fact that, like, I stayed at the hotel that, like, Nomi was 
contemplating, uh, contemplatively looking out at while sitting on the hood of her car made me so happy. <laughs> and I took a nice. photo of my TV so I could show it to Sam when she woke up. And I was like, look where she was. She was at our casino. <laughs> I swear to God, I told my wife I was going upstairs to watch Showgirls and she looked at me with pure disappointment. <laughs> like, I don't think our relationship is ever going to recover, really, from that moment. Wow. Is, um, do you guys really think this film deserved an NC seventeen? Yes, you can actually. I mean, you see, see her like, vagina. Well, so. you can see, yeah, you can yeah. see vagina. Like that, yeah. I think that, like just like okay. in the in the realm of movie. But like again, if you got an NC seventeen, where's Kyle McLaughlin's dick? Thank <laughs> you. Even his butt. He used the butt. He used the butt double. That was a butt double. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. oh, Sophie. See, now Sophie hates this fucking movie. That was, that was really what was making her like this movie. More than Bliss is Kyle McLaughlin's bare ass. And now Sophie. the illusion. That character has fooled so many women. So Lured them in. We have killed Sophie. Sophie is going to have another full (laughs) bottle of wine. All of her personal research was just ruined. She feels like she's living a lot. Can I just say how I feel terrible saying this out loud because I love Kyle McLaughlin, but now... mm. (laughs) No, say it. Too late now. Well, it's hard. I'm still processing. I, I, I respect Kyle McLaughlin a little bit less. For using a body double on his ass when all of his female co-stars were fully nude all the time. Yeah. That yeah. feels shitty. At at a minimum, that feels shitty. That's fair. I think that's a fair That's point. a fair take. I'm gonna message him right now on Twitter and be like, I why'd you use an ass double? Why'd you use an ass double? I should say, I I, I can't so guarantee it was with that right scene. now. But I did read that he used a body double, so I can only assume it was for it that scene. It had to be that scene. It had to be that yeah. scene. Paul Verhoeven released <laughs> the McLaughlin Like, now cut. that you're saying that, I, I very recently watched um, Spencer Confidential on Netflix, and it's terrible. Shock. And my... Not in a fun way. And my brother was like, had said to me before I watched it, he was like, it's really funny to watch because in the opening scene where like Mark, Mark Wahlberg is like fighting all these people in prison and one of them is uh, Post Malone, the only person in the scene who's not like Mark Wahlberg or an MMA fighter is Post Malone. So everyone's doing their own stunts and then, and Post Malone's like hiding behind a table. And then when he does get like, into the melee it is very clearly a body double and like now i feel like kyle mclaughlin's butt was the post malone of this movie and i'm and i love post i love post malone i just mean post malone's the obviousness of post malone's body devil is now sinking in and um yeah i'm just so sad now (laughs) showgirls is truly emblematic and is truly the tale of ruining women's dreams. I'm whether heartbroken. Be, I'm whether so to heartbroken. See, whether mm. to see Kyle McLaughlin's ass or to become a dancer on the strip, Showgirls is the tale of woe. Mm. Written by men and no asses by them. By men, for men. <laughs> is it though? I don't think I, it's... For I mean, like, I mean, <laughs> theoretically, I guess theoretically it's for men. I think they think 
this. It's an NC-17 film for children. <laughs> <laughs> I did watch part of it as a child. So. <laughs> How, okay, I guess we didn't. I want to briefly talk about the NC-17 thing. What other movies were released as NC-17? Nymphomaniac. Okay, like not Inter, large. Into wide release? None. Yeah. That's crazy. I think this is the only one because only Paul Verhoeven could get the deal because he took like uh, he took a way low salary because he took points on the back end. Yeah, was... he planned like he planned for this to be NC-17. It wasn't like he made it and then they were yes. like it's NC-17. Yes. He's like that's what I'm doing from the beginning. Yeah, but like this was one of those I think I was reading that was this one of the ones that put Karolko out of out of business? Yeah, like this and sh- and uh, Cutthroat Island. Together. I thought you were gonna say this and Showgirls too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this and Cutthroat Island uh, bankrupted Karolko, um, and then it got yeah, like got bought up by United Artists, which is weird. Watching the opening of the movie because it's the mid '90s United Artists thing that I always associate with the beginning of the movie Goldeneye, because that 90s United Artist was only like at the beginning of Goldeneye and Tomorrow Never Dies. So seeing it at the beginning of Showgirls, I'm like, oh, this is like this weird thing where in my head I'm just like, oh, this is the James Bond movie. And then it was like, Showgirls. And I'm like, you're not James Bond. <laughs> I think there's the NC-17 question. Like, I think there's a bunch of films that got NC-17 cuts that were obviously right. Um, I want to say Bad Lieutenant and NC-17. Maybe. Oh, okay. um, and then had like an R rating release so it could be in like, you know, released elsewhere. But I think like original caught a bad lieutenant since he's Right. That's, interesting. Um, That's what I thought. Um, oh, an interesting thing I just wanted to mention about Showgirls was that, um, Andrew, because you are also a, a Laserdisc collector, I thought you might find this interesting that Showgirls was one of the few movies in the mid 90s to get a squeeze Laserdisc where. Um, because laserdiscs were released for old school tube TVs that were all four by three, um, if you could, if you, we have anamorphic DVDs where like, oh, it can tell from the, if you have a, uh, a four by three or a 16 by nine, it'll either have the bars or it'll zoom it in without, well, they couldn't do that with laserdiscs. So they basically smushed 16 by nine into four by three. And then you put like the, the zoom or the stretch function on your TV and it stretches it out. So Showgirls was one of the few movies in the mid-90s to get a squeeze Laserdisc, but also um, a high-definition Laserdisc. There was a format called Muse, what? which was the uh, where it was 1080i uh, on Laserdisc, but like in the 90s, it was before anybody had real HDTVs. Um, you had to buy like a special one from Japan that was like $30,000. But oh my um, yeah, you could get a high-def, Laserdisc of Showgirls, but because of censorship in Japan, during the scene where Elizabeth Berkley's like doing the the striptease for and like the lap dance for Kyle MacLachlan, her vagina is just like pixelated out, and then her oh, sex right, scene in the pool, same thing. So up until the Blu-ray came out, you could watch like a high def clip from Showgirls online, but it was blurred out because it was from Japan. <laughs> Oh my god. Like, why would you? And like, those, when those laser discs came out in Japan, they were like $200 each. Um, and they still <laughs> go for two to $300 a piece. 
and like if you buy it, you can't even see the full nudity. I'll be honest, like I didn't even notice her vagina. It's it's <laughs> didn't notice it's, it. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Look at Sophie's face. Nobody can see her. I'm sorry, you guys are robbed of one of the greatest reaction shots of all time. <laughs> Sophie's just like I, why? I said that for Sophie. Sophie's just like honestly. why? Why did you say? <laughs> why you why why'd you say that? <laughs> that was forced. No, Sophie. like how did you not notice it? I don't know, like, this film is so unsexy to me, like, I, like, barely even knows the nudity, like, it's almost like I'm watching, I don't know, something that's just devoid of all kind of, you know, sexiness to me, like, it's just, I, I don't know, I just, just washes over And me, I know, like, know? I know we're wrapping up and we don't have time to do this, but Andrew, I would love for you to release a sequel episode that's just all of us trying to, um figure out what the storyline of the show was they were doing because the costumes <laughs> made no sense i was like what it, the it actual, feels like it changed but... every week we yes i yes yeah oh, di- oh yes, another tie the... to riverdale is that that one scene the dance number at the end they're all wearing the sexy betty wig oh shit Oh, oh my shit, God. Dark Betty's everywhere. Oh, my God, there are so many Dark Betty's in this movie. Dark Betty inspired I... by Showgirls. You heard it from the first Sean. I can't. We've almost been talking about Showgirls for as long as Showgirls was on, which I think is six. And we barely, and we barely scratched the surface. That's how much oh, Showgirls. Honestly, man. I think this might be one of the best episodes of this podcast. I'm going to no. be straight up. I no, mean, it I... was until Jason said he never noticed Elizabeth Berkley's <laughs> vagina. And now I have so many questions. <laughs> it was, think... like, so very sounds... out there. It sounds like one of those guys on the internet who's trying to, like, be like, I, I didn't even notice yet, boo. Like, I don't even see a color. <laughs> I don't even see I'm not saying I'm <laughs> <laughs> Jason is like trying so hard to not be James like James is like I have a pussy problem I can't help it and Jason is like I don't see vagina I I can't see it I do I also have a pussy it's, problem but it's, it's like the opposite. it's like in Westworld which, which like ba- that looks like nothing to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which begs the question how did I end up with fucking four children <laughs> Jason's a host. He's a host in Westworld. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that explains so much. Like how he keep, uh, keeps making us watch seasons. Um, I will say just one of my final things is I don't know. I'm torn over whether I would watch this or the Star Wars Holiday Special again because they're the only <laughs> things I can think for two hours long, painfully boring through most of it. And then the rest of it makes no fucking sense and makes me feel like I'm watching a dream. Plus, like, there's way more nudity in the Star Wars special. Dude, well, have when you seen the Star Chewbacca's Wars special? Dad is, when yeah, he's sitting but... in that chair watching Donna uh, Dying Care do the <laughs> crazy sexy song and, and Chewbacca's dad is, yeah, like, getting off. It's, uh... <laughs> it's not a joke, <laughs> Sophie. It's not a joke. So that happens in the fucking movie. It's like 30 minutes of... Chewbacca's dad gets his nipples erect twice. Chewbacca's dad has an inverted nipple? <laughs> <laughs> Forgot to talk about the inverted nipples, but also when she goes to beat up the guy, does she put lipstick on her nipples or what did she put on her nipples? Something very red. And he was like, this is normal. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then he licked I, it off. What? 
And then when he was looking what? up, did I when watch she started this to like, movie? Did, I, did I not watch Jason, it? her nipples are, are painted bright about? red. Now Jason's like, I, I was... also don't see boobs. <laughs> I also don't see boobs. <laughs> okay, how did you not notice those nipples? It was like, unless your TV broke. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I Were you watching the like, movie in black and oh, white? You know Did you not put your glasses on? <laughs> no, 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 I know what you're talking about. Also like, no, I know what you were talking about. I thought she was wearing, like, pasties or something to, like, cover them. No, that, that was her like, real nipple dog. Just, like, very, very delicately painted red. Jason, I wow. feel like if you could see nipples and vagina, you'd have a different read on this movie. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe that's hey, maybe, maybe I'd like it. I don't know. He's got a face blindness. He's got. <laughs> he's got. He's got body blindness. Body blindness. Well, um. Oh boy. Yeah. This is... No, and this is perfect. My phone's just about to die, but we made it. We made it, Alex. Where I, can we? I don't think I did. Alex, like where it. can we find you on the internet? Since we're... Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at AJ Patterson, P A T T E S O N. Uh, I just post about random crap that I like to collect. Perfect, perfect. And again, thank you for joining me. Um, oh, I'm so happy to have been here. Jason, um, he who sees no nipples or vagines, <laughs> um, where can we find you? On these interwebs, I'll be on Twitter. Um, bad attitude for you. He's going to be on Twitter I'll looking for nipples. I'm so sorry. Jason. <laughs> yeah, I'll just be posting pictures and asking people if these are vaginas. Are there nipples in this photo? I can't tell. Yeah. <laughs> I will. You 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 know I will actually do that. So that is um that is what's going to happen. Sophie, um, follow me for Sophie. Pictures. Do you regret being on this podcast? And if not, where can people find you in the future? I don't. I am so appreciative to have finally watched Showgirls in its entirety and not just that one weird scene as a child on a bootleg VHS. Um, so you can find me on the internet. I'm on Twitter at Phillies Femme. That's Phillies like the baseball team and Femme like a French lady. I also host a horror podcast with my younger sister called 28 Days Later. Um, we just recorded an episode tonight where we talk about Bliss. And uh, clearly we should have had Andrew on so that we could have had a more diversity of opinions. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because you, you we did you not like the, it. You know the best thing to have on a women-run horror podcast is like... A, a penis. Like, is another white dude. Because there's not <laughs> enough podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> representation out there. Um, as always, you can follow this, uh, podcast on Twitter at mpodcastm or email us at milkshakesandmimosas at gmail.com. Um, and I'm going to be doing a new podcast soon called Triassic Park, where I review and look at all of the dinosaur movies that happened before Jurassic Park and talk about how it changed as a medium, starting with Ooh. the dinosaur from 1918. Hell yeah. Ooh. I want to be on the the Arthur uh, Conan Doyle's Lost World one. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, oh yeah, the nineteen like the original one. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. With good, the good. rear projection and everything, it's like King yeah. Kong era. Yeah, yeah. I Guys, just gotta... can we not talk about rear projection? Because I haven't gotten over Kyle McLaughlin's butt double. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Thank you, everybody, and have a great day. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye.